whatever we're going through, God, we can rest and know that you are with us, Lord. You are with us today, Jesus. We just want to feel your presence. Right now, I just invite you to just close your eyes with me. And that just helps us focus on what's happening in the spiritual. That just helps us focus on who Jesus is.
presence, oh God. We want your glory to come, Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus, release your presence in this place. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here. Move in our midst, move in our families, move in this city, oh God. We need you, God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord that you reign in heaven and earth. And we gather together today to seek your face, to glorify your name. We worship you in spirit and in truth. God, move in our lives. Use us to be your hands and your feet on this earth. As the band continues to worship, we're going to get into the next phase of this song. When you move, we want more. And I want your hearts to get hungry for God. When Jesus moves, we want to move with him. When he speaks, we need to want to listen. When he says go, we should go. When he says pray, we need to pray. When he says go and preach the gospel, we need to go and preach the gospel. If you're hungry this morning, let's sing out this worship song this morning and go after God because I want more of him. When he moves, I want to move. Where he goes, I want to go. We want more, God. oh God and that you've given us everything that we need for life and godliness use us for your glory 
We hunger and we thirst for you. And we know that your word says that if we hunger and thirst, we shall be filled. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning because he is worthy. As you find your way back to your seats, let's remain in the attitude of worship. I want to preach the gospel to you this morning. For those that may not know who I am, my name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here, and I'm going to preach the gospel to you this morning. This message is for you. If you've never been born again, if you are not right with God and you're running away from him, you have to listen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. That means because Jesus died on the cross for our sins, we can be forgiven. And the old person that we, the person that we are, is not in right standing with God. But when we come to Jesus and we believe he died on the cross for our sins, our sicknesses, and our sorrows, he forgives us and he makes us new. The Bible says the old is gone, the new is here. He heals our brokenness. He mends the broken areas of our life. We have the mind of Christ. We can think differently. We can see the world differently. And the Bible says that if you reject Jesus, there is no other way to get to heaven. He is the only way to the Father. And when we die and we leave this earth, we have to know where we're going to spend eternity. Because there's two places that have eternal um, longevity. It's going to be either in heaven or in hell. When we leave this earth, it's heaven or hell. And the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus, through the blood of Jesus. It washes us clean. The Bible says it makes us white like snow. With all eyes closed on the cross this room, if you know God has been tugging on your heart, he has been speaking to you, he's been merciful to you, but you've been running. You've been saying, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do it my own way. Today is the day for you to be saved. Jesus, I pray for every single person in this place. I ask, oh God, that you speak to them, that they get right with you, that today they will be born again and experience a new creation in themselves because of the power of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. If you could please stand with me to your feet this morning. We're going to have prayer workers here. Uh, Brother Steve and his beautiful wife, Carmen, they are deacons in the church. They're mighty. It's a mighty man and woman of God. They will be here to pray for you. If you want Jesus, you got to come to them during the fellowship time in just a minute and say, I need Jesus and I want to get plugged in and I want to be discipled. You want to go to them. Every week we have the confession of faith up here for you. The reason why we like to recite it every single week is because this is our Christian worldview. This is how we see the world around us. It's through the lens of scripture, the lens of Christianity, through the eyes of Jesus. If you are with me, let's, re uh, let's recite this on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. 
I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on, clap it up for Jesus. Spend a couple minutes greeting somebody and meeting somebody that you don't know. Enjoy yourselves. church this morning this afternoon come on awesome look to your neighbors say it's good to have you here we want to welcome everybody to metro praise international on behalf of all the pastors and leaders we thank you for joining us this morning here at mpi we have two services on sundays one at 10 a.m and the other one is at 1 p.m and then every friday we have elevate at 7 p.m every week for 11 to 18 year olds they are rocking it out for Jesus. Some of our teenagers just came back from doing their missions trip in New Orleans, preaching the gospel. So our young people are on fire. How many of you guys know that our teenagers in the city need Jesus? Come on. So we as a church, we got to meet their needs and bring them God so they could keep bringing Jesus to their school. Come on. Here are some announcements we have for you guys. At the end of the month, we're having an MPI baptism and barbecue. Come on, get excited. August 30th at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. for both of our services, we'll be having barbecue and baptism. So if you are new in your walk with God and you want to get baptized, that's the day to do it. And if you have been baptized before but you walked away from the Lord and now you're coming back, you got to do it too. So talk to your leaders and check, check in on that. We also want to let you guys know that we have Spanish translation now. So it's an awesome ministry that we have for all of our Spanish-speaking only 
uh, visitors that come. So it's been really utilized. It's been such a blessing. So if you know anybody that only speaks Spanish, don't let that hinder you from inviting them. Please bring them because we have that available for them. And also we have t-shirts of all sizes, colors, styles, and sizes uh, restocked. So I know a lot of people were trying to buy some. We didn't have your size. We have it all now. So whatever you want is available for you in the back. Our vision here at MPI is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. Look to your neighbor, say, love God. Look to your other neighbor, say, love people. Those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us, and we want to strive to live like that till he comes back because that's what's going to glorify him, and that's how people are going to know what true Christians are like. And our discipleship strategy here is three steps. It's connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you first to the church and to Jesus through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. In the back of your handouts, we have a life group schedule, different times and dates and places where they meet. Please take a look at it. If you are new to the church, you've been coming for a little bit, but you have not connected yet to the life groups, you want to make sure you find a place to belong. That's where you're going to build lasting friendships, people that are going to come alongside of you, encourage you in your walk with God, and you're going to get connected to church, okay? Here's a snapshot of what's happening just this week. Today we're kicking it off with our single men and women. Come on, 18 to 35 years old. They're meeting here at the church at 4. And also today is our marriage group. Make some noise, married people. Child care is included. There's the address. They're meeting at 5.30. Today is a date night. They're going to the Botanic Garden, so it's going to be an awesome time for the married folk. Wednesday, every week, we have King's Kids Life Group for infants to 11 years old, starting at 6.30. So if you are a parent with children in that age group, you want to bring them. Drop them off, have some free time, then come back, then pick them up. We have Royal Rangers Boys Club and Impact Girls Club, and they are being discipled to live for God. It's such a powerful ministry. We have the best leaders. Uh, every Friday, we have two adult Bible studies for you. One is at Pastor Berto uh, and Griselda Govea's house. And the other one is at the Walker's house. It's with Pastor Jared and Susie. If you don't know who they are, ask around. They're in the first service. I know we, we, you guys don't see them here, but we want you to connect. We have people in this service that go there. So you want to ask some of the leaders that you kind of see up here, how do I get to those Bible studies? Because I want to go and you're not going to be alone. So we really want to encourage you. If you're 18 years and up, you have to be at those adult Bible studies. It's going to bless your life. And then Saturday, we have our evangelism peeps that go out every week. They meet here at the church at 5. All ages are welcome. And we like to encourage you as staff, as the leaders, to preach the gospel on the streets. If you've never done it, you've never gone street witnessing, it will change your life. It will encourage you in your faith. And you will have eyes to see people, to see the lost like Jesus sees them. And then Saturday, also, we have our the Ambassadors Elevate Life Group meeting here at the church 6 p.m. 11 to 18 years old so we're just having fun with Jesus how many of you guys know that church is fun the biggest lie that I think the devil tells people is that when you become a Christian your life is going to become boring that is such a lie from hell okay be living for God and being a Christian is the funnest thing ever and even more than that you know you're in right standing with God and you're going to be with him forever in heaven and so to find a place to belong get connected then we have leaders that are ready to take you through our 101 book. Welcome to your new life. They're going to come alongside of you and disciple you, teach you how to live your life for God. When you graduate 101, you get into the 201 class, which is Disciples That Make Disciples. This is our leadership training class where we're going to equip you to be a leader one day in the church because that's what God wants us to do. And then we want to send you out, keep getting more people, preach the gospel, win your friends and family to the Lord. And our goal at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples. Let me say disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do that, say amen. And we're not doing it alone. We're doing it with everybody in this room. Look around. 
See, there's more room for people. 100,000, we believe we can do it, and you're a part of that number. How many of you guys are excited to learn about tithes and offerings? Come on. We're learning about stewardship in the Disciples Giving book. Again, it's one of my favorite sections of the book. It's section three, all about stewardship. And I think why I like it so much is because God has given us so much that he wants us to manage. And everything that we have in our care, we need to give back to the Lord so he brings him glory. So we're on section three of stewardship, lesson four. Every person has been given gifts to steward. We're going to be reading in our Bibles from 1 Peter 4.10. You could turn to 1 Peter 4.10, or you can look up at the screen. The definition of stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. He entrusts us with things on this earth, and we must prove ourselves to be reliable. Let's read 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace and its various forms. We are stewards of God's grace. What a perfect, timely message after the summer of grace that we've been in. Here are the main uh, three points from this verse. Number one, whatever gift you have received, take a moment to think about all the gifts God has given you, your talents, job, personality, your creativity and passions. Then give God a big thank you. Let's do that together on the count of three. One, two, three. Thank you. Number two, use your gifts to serve others. Did you know that God gave you gifts to manage for the benefit of others? Not just to use for your own selfish gain. Consider each day how to use your gifts to help others and watch how God will prosper you in all you do on the job, in your family, at church, etc. We cannot be selfish in this life. We have to be selfless. Everything that we have is so that we could be a blessing to other people. God wants to um, extend himself through us. So let's use our gift. Let's use our talents and passions to bless those around us. And number three, faithful stewards of God's grace. The Greek word for grace, charis, is actually the root word for gift, charisma, which means all God's gifts come from his grace. Somebody say grace, which is his unearned love and favor. That is why God's gifts are not considered wages or income because they are not earned. You don't work for them. They are simply received. Can I get an amen? Therefore, be a faithful and reliable steward of all the gifts God has graciously given you. And I shared with the first service that in Proverbs it says that an unreliable person is like a sore tooth. How many of you guys had a sore, achy tooth before? It's like the worst thing ever. That is what the Bible says an unreliable and unfaithful man or woman is. Let's not be that to God. Let's be reliable. Let's be faithful managers of everything that he's entrusted us with. Here's a summary. Faithfully manage and steward all the gifts God has given you because of his grace. His grace makes it possible. Let's apply this to our life. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, which is 10% of your total income, and offerings, anything you give after the tithe. Number two, humbly acknowledge that God has given you all of your talents because of his amazing grace. And three, faithfully use your gifts to serve God by helping others. It brings him glory when we help other people. Let's confess this over our life on the count of three together. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. Is that, if that is for you, believe that confession. Please stand with me to your feet this afternoon as we prepare to give God our very best, our tithes and our offerings.
Again, here at MPI, we believe that a tithe is 10% of our total income. So if we have $100, 10% of that would be $10. And anything above that is considered an offering. That is, amount is between you and Jesus. And we designate our offerings to two different places here at MPI, missions and building. And currently, we are in a building fund, raising monies for our Metro Praise International Church lit-up sign to go across the building. It's going to be awesome. And give yourselves a round of applause because by your generosity, we have raised 2164 dollars in July alone for a grand total thus far of 5,143. We are more than halfway there. We're so going to blow it out of the water probably way before the end of the year. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're all excited. That's what it looks like when the people of God rally together, give generously and believe for the vision that he's given to us to reach Chicago and to reach the nations for him. So we thank you. Again, we have um, two convenient ways for you to give or purchase items in the church with your credit or debit cards. One is online at our easy to use website and the other is in the back with uh with me if you have any questions about that you can see me before or after service and i would like to assist you with that let's recite this verse together this beautiful powerful verse luke 6 38 jesus said give and it will be given to you for with the measure you use it will be measured to you Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. We thank you for entrusting us with these gifts that you've given. I pray that we would use them for your glory to bless others. Bless us that we could be a blessing. I pray that you bring increase and prosperity on uh, people's jobs and favor with raises. I pray that you would open doors of employment if they're looking for new jobs. I just pray that you bless the gift and the giver. Meet our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus and use us to make a change in Chicago and to the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen and amen. Please come forward as you give this afternoon, and thank you for your generosity. Amen, amen. If you love Jesus, let me get a whoop, whoop. Hey, if you've noticed that we're moving a little differently today, it's because we're now doing our changes with the time. So it's not you if you feel like it's fast-forwarding. It's not you. We are doing our changes with the time. If you remember, last couple weeks I was telling you that we were going to switch our times up, and now we are on the new time, okay? So we are still starting at 1 o'clock like normal, but we're cutting our service down to an hour, and we're doing that because we want you to invite your friends, and we want the service to be able to grow and not to feel like it's dragging on throughout the afternoon. Now here's what I believe. I believe that God told us to do this service, okay? And that's what I'm standing on. And I believe God is going to grow this service and fill these chairs up as we continue to invite our friends and family. So I want you with me for this month to begin to invite your friends and family to this service. Invite them to the one o'clock. And when we do the baptism barbecue, I want to see this place full and a good time outside in the back parking lot. Won't that be awesome? Now, 
I love having long services, but I, more importantly, I love encountering God. And I think if you're enjoying this uh, way of how we already done it, and you're going to see how we're going to end today with singing songs again, I think you're going to appreciate this new hour service format for this time period until we grow and go to another level, and then we can go to a three-hour service. Amen? But I want to grow with this congregation, and I've been looking at a lot of those that are coming. You're either new to the church or new um, members, or new members to the church are new believers, and so we want the service to grow with you and that you can really enjoy it. So I'm going to preach for 20 minutes. Let's see if I can do it. And here's the thing. I know some of you, you guys want it longer than that. Well, you know what? Pray that our church will continue to increase so that we can have that time frame because for me, I don't like being long just for a few. I want everybody to be on the same page with me. Amen? And so if you like it long, you're always welcome to come to Sunday morning service uh, the first. It's a little bit longer, but that is the plan, and so I don't want you to feel like we caught you off guard, and maybe some of you might even be excited now. You'll be like, hey, I'm going to come on time. I'll be out by 2, and then we're going to start inviting our friends and family. Amen? Amen. Awesome. And I really love this service. I really, really do. Let's turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. And uh, I will be going with my wife to the married couple's uh, hangout tonight. So I want to see some of you guys there. So this is a big deal for my wife and I because we normally don't go to the life groups. It's not because we're better. It's just because we want our life group leaders to be the main attraction and what God is doing through them. And I think now we're pretty much outshined by Ricky and Rachel. So it's not even going to be like, oh, Pastor Joe, what do you think? What do you think? It's going to be like, what? I'll be asking Ricky, Ricky, what do you think? Nancy and I need some help because I hear they're pretty awesome at helping marriages, right? Oh, no amen on that? Aren't they awesome? Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, we're in the summer of grace. Everybody say grace. Amen. It's been the whole summer. Today's message is grace for the humble, and what we're going to be learning about today is humility and how grace and humility work together, and I think you're going to be tremendously blessed by this message. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. How have we been saved? By what? Grace through what? Faith, not of ourselves. What is it? The gift of God. Amen. Let's say it again. We've been saved by grace through, and it's not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, every week I want to give you a new insight to this verse. Here's a new insight. Good works. Everybody say good works. One of the best good works I think you can do as a Christian is charity charity, acts of charity. Let me give you a few ways to do acts of charity just in this church. Wednesday nights, we work with children ages uh, newborn, kindergarten. As a, The kindergartners have a class, but we'll take newborns and just love on them from infant to 11 years old every Wednesday. Do you know that last Wednesday we had 60? And then at the end of the every month, we do a family fun night. Last family fun night, we had 100. And now we're planning for the back to school, and we'll probably, the back to school at the end of this month, we're asking people who have things to give away to the students or go to the dollar store, pick up some things, give it to Sister Lily in the back. We're going to probably have around 150 coming out the last Wednesday of this month to get those back to school supplies. And then we're not only doing it here in the church, we're also doing a back to school party out in the west side where they get picked up every week to join us into the kids program. So we pick up children from the west side and we'll be going there doing a back to school party. Once again, talk to Sister Lily about that. So there's just one way. If you wanted to help the children, you could volunteer 
here on Wednesdays and do an act of charity, an act of charity. Everybody say charity. How many think that's a good work? Another good work as you can do is you can help out with the youth ministry. Every Friday we go out in the community. The youth group goes out, invites the young people to come. Plays bas- they play basketball in the back parking lot, video games here. They do the Wii here and uh, Mario Kart on the big screen. And then they have songs and, and preaching. And you know when I went out evangelizing just the other day, I saw so many teenagers in this community. If you just wanted to volunteer to help out with teenagers, you could just come on Friday at 5 to talk to Steve and say, hey, can I just go around and hand out some flyers for an hour? And then you could go and take off. You don't even have to spend the whole day here. If you're not a youth or you don't have the whole time to spend, just come for an hour and invite the kids to come. I was out there, like I said, a couple days ago. I saw them playing with a broke-down basketball goal, and I, you know, I could tell it was almost going to fall over and hit them. But you know what? No one's invited them yet. So I told them, I said, guys, you got to come out here on Friday, a safe place for you to play, and you're going to be uh, with a lot of friends, a lot of positive people. See, there's charity right there. There's giving to the community. And do you know that Steve, i got to uh, brag on him a little bit, he started a gang outreach on Thursday nights. It's not even an official life group. It will be uh, here in the next fall quarter. But they want to go out on Thursday night reaching the gang members. Well, one of the things that God put in their heart for charity is to reach those who have been affected by gang violence. So we had a shooting here at Reese Park. 15-year-old kid died. They went and found the parents of the 15-year-old, visited the house, brought over food, prayed for them, set up a vigil in the park the 20th second you can join them in Reese Park the 22nd and then the family was here this morning and received prayer from the church and they were weeping knowing how much God loves them is that not amazing let's give that a hand clap good job man of God now that's just acts of charity here Coming on Wednesdays, helping with the children, going to the back-to-school party, giving some back-to-school supplies, that's awesome. Helping with the youth group, just inviting kids to come out, just saying, hey, there's a basketball goal, there's video games, there's free food. Every time they come and bring a visitor or they're the first time there, they get candy as a gift. There you can do that. Or you can help out with the gang outreach and start to join the evangelism team on Saturday. Now, charity and good works goes beyond just the church. How about a good work on your job? How many of you have a job? How many know a job is not a four-letter word? It's a good word. It's a three-letter word. It's a good one. Jobs. Well, you know you can be charitable on your job. You know how you do that? You go the extra mile. You come early. You stay late. Well, they don't pay me to do that. Well, you know what? Do it because you're a good Christian. Do it because God wants to do good works through you. See, you were created to do good works. I remember this one pastor, he was catching a plane, he told the story, he's a pastor of a large church, couldn't know every member, and as he was going to catch the plane in the airport, they started messing it up, and he realized he was going to miss his flight, and the connecting flight, and everything was going to go bad, and he started to lose his temper. He started to get upset with the lady at the cro- across the desk, you know, and why are you guys doing this to me? He was yelling at her, and then all of a sudden, one of the women just walking by overheard him yelling and said, huh, pastor. How are you doing? She recognized him, and she said, Pastor, I go to your church. He didn't know her, but all of a sudden he said he changed, and he stopped yelling because now he knew that she was one of the members of his church. You know, I wonder how much 
differently we would treat the customers if they were our friends and family. I wonder how differently we would go the extra mile if it was for somebody we really loved and cared about. You see, on the job, acts of charity is you doing it for those that don't really treat you nice. It's doing it for those that really don't pay you back. They don't deserve it in that sense. But it's doing like what Jesus did. You see, we can be charitable on our jobs and with our coworkers. And if you say, well, Pastor, you don't know my job. It's that bad. It's so bad. And it's something that I don't enjoy. Well, then you know what? Ask God to get you another job that you love or at least that you believe in that you can serve because there's no excuse we should be doing all things as unto God. Amen? And so I want you to think about acts of charity when you think about doing good works because that's what God has called you to do. Now, I want to talk to you today about grace and humility. The definition of grace has been this uh, definition for the past couple of weeks, and I want to read through it. It's the undeserved favor of God, the love of God, the, the help of God. How many could use God's love and help today? How many need God's love? How many need God's help? Okay. It's an enablement made through Jesus Christ to help believers. Uh, you know, it's, it's made available through Jesus Christ and give it to believers through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, what does it do? It gives us mercy, forgiveness, and power. Everybody say mercy. Everybody say forgiveness. Everybody say power. Amen. See, we're talking about grace for the humble. When you're humble, God gives you that mercy. God gives you forgiveness. There's no way to receive grace without being humble. You can't come to God demanding forgiveness. You'll never get it. What's the opposite of humility? Pride. And the proud don't get the grace of God. Now look at what humility means. Humility is probably something we've all recognized or thought about before, but here's a good definition if you've never really thought through the entire ramifications of it. Here's the definition I came up with. It is a submitted attitude. Everybody say attitude. You see, in Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says, let this attitude, let this mindset be in you that was in Christ Jesus. For he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very form of a servant. Everybody say humility. Starts in my attitude. You see, attitudes will show either your pride or your humility. So what is humility? It's a submitted attitude towards God and man. It's not just, oh, I submit to God and forget about man. No, I submit to God and to man. we got a lot of politics going on right now, a lot of things happening. There's going to be a president, of, uh, you know, a new president in 2016. Let me ask you this. Do you want a proudful dictator president, prideful dictator president, or do you want a humble, kind president? You want a president that's bold and strong, but do you want him to be a dictator or do you want him to be humble? What type of parents do we need, proud dictator parents, or do we need humble parents? See, it's an attitude towards God and man. Watch this. In which a person rightly knows these three things. So what does a humble person's attitude look like? They know who they are, their identity. Number two, the commands that they are to obey. And number three, the life that they are to live. When you are humble, you won't be self-abasing, putting yourself down all the time. Well, I can't do that, and I don't think I'll ever make it, and I'm not really good anyways. You see, that's a form of pride. God says you're a new creation in Christ. God says you can do all things through Jesus who lives in you. And when you say you can't, that's not humble. That's actually pride. What would be another way of looking at pride? Opposite of humility is one, but what's another one? Pride is disagreeing with God. 
Think about that. It's disagreeing with God. God comes to Gideon. Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. No, I'm not. That's a proudful reaction. He's disagreeing with God. God says for husbands to be the head of their home and for wives to submit to their husband. If a wife goes, well, I don't want to submit to my husband, that's disagreeing with God. That's pride, right? Husbands, well, I don't want to teach my wife uh, anything. I'm not here to be a leader. She can learn herself. You know what? Even if husbands are not as mature as their wives in Christ, they are still to take on a teaching role. Not to say I know more, but to say I'm leading. I'm leading. If a husband goes, no, I don't want to lead. I don't want to show my wife anything off the Bible. That's her job. That's pride. That's disagreeing with God. And parents, if you don't lead your children the right way, that's disagreeing with God. That's self-abasing. Now, what's the other form of pride, the one that we're more familiar with? Self-adorning pride. Putting yourself above others. Look how awesome I am. Look at me on Facebook. Look at my selfie. Look at this car I'm driving and all of this. Now, some of that's cool because we like to have fun, right? I got a selfie or my wife and I, and I'm in a blue suit. And it's on Facebook right now. And the thing about that blue suit is I haven't been able to fit into it since I lived in New Orleans. I am now able for the first time in over 10 years to fit into that suit. Isn't that awesome? But you see, if I try to make myself better than the biggins in here, now you're going to start calling me a skinny mini, and I'm going to start calling you a biggin, and I'm going to put myself above you. But I want to love big people because I used to be one. Hello? Some of us here have to realize that we can't put ourselves above others. Now, if me saying biggin offended you, I'm sorry, but I was talking about myself, okay? I was a biggin. Everybody say a biggin. I ate too much, and I didn't work out enough. And if people ask you, uh, what, what they, you know, people ask me, how did I lose weight? Well, I ate less and worked out more. That's all I did, no tricks about it. And some of you may struggle with that, but don't put yourself down. Believe that God can use you, right? And believe that God will help you. And then don't put, and if you get in shape and you start taking selfies and you want to send them to people with you in the mirror like I did, sending them to Ricky and Ishmael, showing them my muscles, I've got to make sure that I don't think of myself better than others. Amen? So humility is a submitted attitude towards God's and God and man where you know who you are, you know what to obey. You know what rules to obey. I have to obey the police. The police have to obey the governor and then the rules that the Senate sets up and the Congress, you know, the state legislative uh, you know, branch of our government. Well, everybody has rules to obey. You know, I can't just go, uh, I'm a pastor, I can do whatever I want. i got to obey the rules of the church, the Bible, Right? You just can't walk into your house and say, I'll do whatever I want. Well, you might do that, but then husbands, you'll be alone. Kids, you might live on the streets after a while. You keep talking like that. There's rules to obey. How many people know there's rules to obey? Humble people follow the rules. The only time we break the rules is when our lives are in danger or when they're questioning our, or when they're asking us to break our rules, break our faith because of their rules. Your life's in danger or they're asking you to deny your faith. Those are the righteous things, the, the times that you can righteously break the rules, amen? But everything other than that, you better follow those rules. You better follow the rules of the speed limit or you're going to get a ticket. you got to follow the rules of your job or you're not going to get paid. Humble people do those things. Proud people want to disagree. Now, that doesn't mean you can't bring change. I do believe in change. The Bible believes in change. But you do it through obedience. You don't do it through rebellion on your job. If there's any managers here, you know what I'm talking about. You can always do better. Your company can always do better. But the employee that's sassy and doesn't follow the protocols, they'll never have their voice heard. It's the one who serves the paradigm as it is and has the ideas that then can win over the managers and the owner because they see that they care more about themselves, more about the company than just themselves. 
See, prideful people just want to tear the company down and say, well, I don't like this, I don't like that. Well, there may be some truth in that, but show us you care about the company. Show us that you come early, stay late, help our customers, and then we'll listen to your ideas. You see, and then lastly, you need, the humble people live the life that God called them to live. If God asks you to do something and you're not willing to do it, that's pride. So let's say right now God is telling you to do something of charity. He's, he's put that on your heart, and you go, no, I don't want to do it. You're disagreeing with God. That's pride. Let's say God asks you to pray before every meal as a way of honoring him, and you're embarrassed to pray at your job because people look at you at the lunchroom. See, that's pride. Maybe God asks you to give a tithe, 10% of your total income, and you go, well, this church doesn't need it. It seems to be doing just fine, raising money for the sign, and the bills are being paid. Well, you know what? I'll keep it because I really need it. You know what? You don't give it because a church needs it. You give it because God commanded it. I, oh, I said you give it because God commanded it. Amen. I was giving my tithe of a church that had well over 1,500 members, 2,000 members, and it never mattered to me what they were doing specifically with the money as long as it wasn't dishonest. It was because I knew that was my church, those were my pastors, and they loved and cared for me. Now, if you think a church is stealing from you or not doing good, here's the thing. Find another church that you believe in, but stop making the excuse you're not going to tithe. See, because that's disagreeing with God. That's pride. That's pride. Are you listening to me? That's pride any way you cut it. And there's a lot of different ways that we have pride, but humility is the opposite of pride. How many want to learn about humility today? Amen. Let me give you some one-liners before we read our scripture here. Let me give you some one-liners about humility. Let me find here where I'm at. Here we go. In the kingdom of God, the principles apply also in the world. Remember that. Who owns the world? God does. So these aren't just things that work good in the church. They work in the world. They work where you're at. If you work the word, the word will work for you. Some may say, work it. But here's the thing. Sometimes you'll see people not appreciating it. Sometimes people will get upset with you, and, good time, and, and sometimes good people suffer. But don't get discouraged. You know, we look at the Bible. Joseph was humble. He was given a dream that he would rule one day. But his brothers got jealous of him, threw him in a pit. He didn't stop being humble. He kept being humble. Then the people in the pit sold him into slavery. Then in slavery, he worked for a woman in a, in a house. She lied and said that he tried to rape her, and, she, and then he got thrown into prison. But he stopped. He never stopped being humble. He was always doing what God told him to do. So whether he was in a pit, whether he was at Potiphar's house as a slave, or whether he was in prison, he was humble. And then God exalted him. So don't let people take away your calling and have you turn to pride. Pride will never accomplish the things of God. And we'll get to that in just a moment. So don't just think in church. Don't just think in your house. Think about this and all that you do. Number one, you need to go down if you want to go up. You need to go down if you want to go up. You've got to show people you're willing to do what others don't, to go and move ahead. That's what's going to prosper you on the job. I have a lot of people that own businesses and are doing well in their life, and they'll tell you the people they look for are the ones that will do anything. They'll come early. They'll stay late. They'll clean the bathrooms. They'll answer phones. They'll do what it takes. And then God blesses them. God uses them. And some of them are getting promotions beyond people that even went to college in their same field, and they haven't even gone to college, but they're out working them. They're out serving them. They're going down. They're, they're, they're saying, I don't des have a des deserving attitude. I have a serving attitude. Don't have a deserving attitude. Have a serving attitude. And that's why a lot of college people right now, they can only work at Starbucks because they're not willing to shift. They're just going to keep working that minimum wage job even though they have, and that's good for some people, but listen, a lot of them don't understand. If you want to do more than just Starbucks, you've got to serve and start at the bottom somewhere. That means at the bank, you've got to be the teller. 
My wife started at the teller, and before you know it, within a few years, she was training tellers. She could have been a manager if she would have stayed consistent, but she never even went and studied finance, but that was what God was using her to do. Are you getting what I'm saying? You got to go down if you want to go up. Number two, if you want to be first, you got to be last. You know, before this church ever had you here, it had me here, but I had to be last and put you first. You say, well, Pastor, how did you do that? Well, there was nobody to vacuum the carpet. And a matter of fact, there didn't used to be carpet. It was tile. And there was gum on the floor from the dollar store that used to be here. And you know what I did? I scraped it off with a razor. And I literally started at one corner on my knees and slid on my knees through every section of tile. It took me about four hours just so there wouldn't be those black marks. See, I wanted to be last so you could be first. These chairs were bought by somebody else. Nobody was here that was, that's in this service right now, maybe a few, maybe Vanessa or Ricky and Rachel, so maybe, I should say, maybe a few of you were here when we bought these chairs, but you sit in them now. You get to even have a seat above them because if our elders were here, they would let you be first and they would sit back and be last, and they're the ones that bought the chairs. Are you listening? You see, in life, God said, don't run to the front of the line to try to get your way. Get in back of the line and serve the people on your way to the front of the line. You'll make all those friends. See, if I cut in front of you and get to the front of the line, does anybody like me? But if I go to the back of the line and I talk to all of you guys while we're in line, I get to make friends by the time I get to the front, don't I? So now I get there with all the friends instead of offending everybody. This doesn't mean be, don't be great. Achieve great things in life. Some of you are in businesses of competition and you're in AT&T and you got to take down T-Mobile. I get that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an insight into your heart. Are you willing to serve people on your way to the top or are you just trying to step on people to get there? This is the things that Jesus taught us. Hitting on that same note, Jesus said the greatest leaders would be the servants of all. Think about our president. Do you want our president to be a dictator or a servant? Servant leaders are the best kinds of leaders. If we right now had to go and be on the island of Survivor, wherever they meet, you know, somewhere out in the Philippines, one of those beautiful islands, they've actually had Survivor on one of these uh, exotic islands, and we had to vote the one that was in charge, you know what generally would happen? People would vote who was the most charismatic. So maybe a guy like me or somebody like Ricky may get chosen to do it. But on those shows, you know what always happens? Is those leaders let it go to their head. And all of a sudden, they start bossing people around. And imagine me start bossing you around. And now all of a sudden, you say, man, I wish I never would have made him a leader. And then you know what? Then you'll point to somebody who's just been helping and, and doing good things the whole time. Not really arguing, but but whenever they needed water, we needed water, they went and got it. You'll look at that person and say, I wish I would have made them a leader. You see, the kind of people we want to follow are the people who are servants. So if we want to be leaders, how many of you want to be leaders? Okay, now the rest of you are going to follow us then? Okay, how many of you want to be leaders? Raise your hands. Okay, so all of us are called to be leaders, right? We should be servant leaders, shouldn't we? Look at this one right here. Pride comes before the fall and humility comes before success. Do you know that 50 Cent right now is claiming bankruptcy? Do you know that oftentimes these entertainers, these movie stars, these people that we look at and we think they have it all together go bankrupt? You know why? It's because they get to the point where they think they can't fail. Now you would say, how in the world could someone like 50 Cent who had $50 million fail? How could MC Hammer, the man of my generation, fail? How could some of these people go bankrupt? Well, you know what happens is they get so prideful they think they can do anything. Like Michael Jordan and his gambling problem. They think they can win everything. Like Tiger Woods and his adulterous problem. And the pride begins to come. Tiger Woods has never won like he used to since his adulterous affair. It ruined his whole career. Are you listening to me? 
You see, but pride gets into the mind. Well, because, because I'm, I'm successful in acting, that must mean I'm successful in business. And they keep throwing out their money unwisely, and they're not taking advice. Michael Jackson almost went bankrupt before he died. And one of the people gave him advice and said, Michael, you know music. You don't know business. Stop spending money. And he wouldn't listen to them. Are you listening? Pride always comes before the fall. I remember hanging out with a man before he committed adultery with his wife, and he would not confess any problems to me. I said, bro, what's going on? Here's some things I'm dealing with. What are you dealing with? He didn't want to keep it real, and before he knew it, he's in an adulterous affair. Pride always comes before the fall. Satan used to be up in heaven leading worship with the angels. He said, I want to be worshiped. He fell like lightning, the Bible says. Now he's been cast down to this earth, and his, short, his time is short, and he's trying to get us to believe his lies. Don't believe the lies of the devil, but you can always mark this. If you see a humble person, they will succeed. They will succeed. A humble person will succeed. They may not look like it right now. There may be people passing them up who are taking, uh, you know, quick shortcuts and cutting corners, but you watch the humble person. The humble person will succeed. I remember my dad telling me when he was in business that he started with all these young businessmen. My dad had already been in business 20 years but one of his business failed, and he needed to realign himself. And so he joined a new company, American Express, to start doing financial planning. And he was with guys that were 10 years younger than him that all had their MBAs, their business degrees from all of these well-known schools, Notre Dame, Cornell, all of these schools. And they thought they had it all together. My dad said 80% of them all dropped out within the first year, but he stuck it through. And within 20 years in that company, he was one of the top agents for American Express. And in some categories, he was number one for certain years. Number one out of 10,000 other people doing his job. But he said, I'm going to be humble. I'm going to learn. He would, one time he told me he sat in an awards banquet. He was with all of these men. You know, these are the kinds of things that they have on cruises, Disney World. These are those big banquets. You know, if American Express is taking their guys out, they're treating them well. He said there was one time he said lobster was laid out like it was shrimp at one of these places in Miami they were at or Orlando. And they were there, and he was there to get a warden. If you ever see my dad's ring, that's the ring that he got from when he was there. And while they were there, all these guys were just talking the whole time. Well, I'm doing this, and I'm doing this. And every time the, the people got called for the awards, none of these people ever got called up. Then finally they got to this number one award. I believe it was for life insurance of this part of their company. And my dad got called up. He was number one that year in the whole entire company. And he came back with that award. He came back, and he sat down. Everybody at that table was just quiet. They said, Jim, how come you're not talking? You're not saying anything. He said, because you guys did all the talking. He said, I was just listening. He said, I already know what I know. I wanted to know what you know. See, my dad made a decision that if you don't care what he has to say, he'll just sit back and listen to what you have to say, and maybe he'll get something out of that. Maybe he won't. But he won't give away what he has unless you asked for it. And those men were so content with having their own conversations, and they didn't even know that there was an award-winning uh, broker that was sitting right at their table, brokering millions of dollars of other men's money in business. That takes a lot of trust. But my dad said, I started off humble. I didn't have to know everything. I didn't have to run the fastest. I just needed to be the best, and I had to walk where God asked me to walk. Amen? How many want to see success in your life? Here's the last one. Humility is neither self-abasing nor self-adorning. It is knowing who you are in Christ and doing what he said for you to do. 
So humility is not saying, oh, I'm terrible, and it's not saying, oh, I'm better than everybody else. Humility is saying, I'm exactly who God said I am, and I can do exactly what God said I can do. God said I'm a good father, so I'm going to be a good father. God said I'm a good husband, I'm going to be a good husband. God said I can do all things as unto him, and he'll bless me if I seek him. He'll provide for all these other things that I need. That's what he said, and that's what I'll believe, and that's how I'm going to live. Amen? That's humility. Humility is winning and doing your best if you lose. If you win, it's humble to say, thank you, team, and everybody with me. And it's humble if you lose to say, I did my best. But pride says, you know what? I can never congratulate the other person who won. And if I do win, then I'm taking all the credit for myself. You can win in humility. You just give the credit to God and those who are with you. Amen? Here's our scripture today on on humility. I want you to turn there with me quickly. Rachel, would you come to the keyboard, please? We're going to be landing this plane. How many have enjoyed themselves today in church? Amen. Have you learned something about humility? I hope that you have. It's so important. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Turn there with me. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Do you think Peter knew a thing or two about Jesus? Out of all the 12 disciples, would you trust Peter? I would. Anybody else walk on water? Peter did. Was anybody else told that he'll build his church upon them? Peter was told that. And was there anybody else that was chosen on the day of Pentecost to preach the first message? Peter was. Listen to what Peter says here about humility. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Everybody everybody say, submit yourselves. You see, the religion of Islam makes people submit. That's why one of the reasons why I wear this bracelet, it has barbed wire. It reminds me of the persecuted Christians primarily in the Muslim lands that are being beheaded, set on fire, drowned, children being taken from them and raped, all because they won't convert to Islam. That is not the Christian faith. The Christian faith does not force conversion. This is how God speaks to us. Submit yourself. Submit yourselves to the elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility. Did you put on humility this morning? Or did you put on that attitude? What did you put on this morning? Look at me, everybody, real quick. What did you put on? Humility? Or did you put on that attitude? What are you going to wear tomorrow to work? Humility? Or are you going to put on that attitude? In traffic, what are you going to have on? Clothe yourself in humility. Be humble towards one another. God opposes the proud but shows grace, favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. If you're dealing with anxiety, it's a form of pride because you're doing it and not instead of letting God do it. Responsibility and cares are two different things. You have responsibilities, but cares you should give to God. You know what some people want to do? They want to cast their responsibility to God and say, oh, God will take care of it, and then keep their cares for themselves. You should fulfill your own responsibility and then cast your cares on God. Let me give you an example. I don't have any idea of how this second service is going to turn out. I hope it grows just like the first one does. But it's my responsibility to preach every week, to organize the service in such a way that's conducive for the time that it's at, and to be full of, I have a team, a church full of great people that are willing to serve and help. That's my responsibility. I'm going to do that. 
but I'm going to cast the care of whether or not people come onto Jesus. I'm going to cast the care of whether or not people like me upon Jesus. See, do all that you can on your job and cast the care of getting the promotion to your employer. Do all that you can to save your marriage or to raise your children or doing whatever you're doing if you're in a tough situation in your family. Do all that you can and then cast the care upon God and say, God, I've done all that I can. That's what my mother did. She watched me rebel, do drugs, and she said, I've done all that I can. I'm res- I've taken on my responsibility, but I cast my care upon God. Here's the three things that Peter taught us here about humility. Number one, we're to be submissive to our elders. Number two, we're to be submissive to one another. And number three, we're to be submissive to God. When it speaks about elders here, it's not talking about your elders in the cultural sense, those who are older than you. It's talking about being submissive to the church leaders. In the church, you have elders and deacons. Those elders and deacons are the leaders of the church. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. I have to give an account on judgment day of how I've treated you. Now you may ask yourself, well, who are pastors? Pastors are a part of a five-fold ministry gift that God gave and is talked about in Ephesians 4. Apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. Those are the things that elders and deacons do. Now, you might have been brought up in a different church, taught otherwise. That's okay. It's not worth arguing over. But the point is, is that all throughout the Bible, in the New Testament, we are told to have elders and deacons in our church. And these elders and deacons are supposed to be apostles, those who start new churches. They're supposed to do the work of being prophets, having dreams and visions. They're supposed to do the work of evangelists and pastors like me, teaching and helping out, and teachers to lead Bible studies and so forth. But those five things, apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher, it's not the office. That's the job description. The office is an elder or a deacon. And the reason is, is because the only place you find in the Bible a job description of who an office, or rather who somebody's supposed to be, that's an elder or a deacon. That's in Titus chapter 1 and if he, uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. So I am an elder who pastors you. I am an elder who does the work of an evangelist. I am an elder that was an apostle who started this church. I am an elder that teaches in Bible college. Are you with me? And the Bible says, submit to your elders. Why do you think it says that? Do you think you need me as a priest to pray? No, you don't. That's why the Bible never calls the leaders of the church priests. If some of you were raised Roman Catholic, the Bible never mentions that. We're all priests unto God. First Peter later on says that we're all, or earlier rather, says we're a nation of priests. You can go to God on your own. But do you need leaders? Yes, but what role do they play? They play the role of teaching you what God is saying. Otherwise, how would you know? You say, well, I would just read the Bible. Do you know Greek? Do you know that the original version of the Bible is Greek? Somebody had to translate it for you into English. See, you need leaders. How long have you studied it? Many of you here are new. So let me just ask you, how long, honestly, have you studied the Bible? Have you even read it from beginning to end? Well, wouldn't you hope that when you came to a place somebody had, ask yourself this question. If we were performing brain surgery here today, and the equivalence of what you've done in the Bible is the equivalence of medical school, and what I've done and the other elders have done, would you allow yourself to do brain surgery on somebody? Do you know that much? Hello? How much have you really studied? That's why we do discipleship here. And so how, 
we make elders and deacons is by other elders and deacons making elders and deacons. And that's why you can become an elder or deacon in our church. And until you do, submit to their teachings and let them do what they've been trained to do. Can I hear an amen? And I don't have to say more than that because we have such a great church. Aren't you happy? I don't have to start pointing out people and say, you submit because you're in trouble. If not, I'm kicking you out. I wouldn't do that anyway. Maybe I would. Maybe to you. No, I'm kidding. No, I love, I love Isaiah. But uh, I love our church because they love us as leaders. The next thing the Bible says is close yourself with humility. If you want to have any kind of relationship with God, even outside of the church, you need to walk in humility. If people in your job right now were to write down five attributes they know about you, would one of them be humble? So right now, if I followed you to your job and I said, hey, come to your coworkers, I said, hey, come here real quick. Let me ask you about Jonathan. Tell me five things that you like about Jonathan. What are five things you see in Jonathan's life? Would one of those five things be humble? I hope that you would say that about me. If not, I have some work to do. But that doesn't let you off the hook whether or not I struggle in it because that's something I'm working on. You know, it's something I've noticed here in the church as well, being personal, is that no matter when people come into this church, after a year, they always say, you're so much nicer than the way you used to be. You're so much easier to get along with. I'm so serious because at every stage, they see a change in my life. Now, if you're like, Pastor, I don't know. You haven't been nicer since I've been around. I don't know. Have you been around a year or more, two years? Because most of the people, I'm telling you the truth, they say, I see him. I see, I see uh, Steve nodding his head. Some of the others don't want to nod their head. You're all going to get in trouble. You better start nodding your head. But no, I'm just telling you, it was, it was when I was a young minister, it just messed with me because it was like, why you all say that about me? But then I got it. Oh, I'm changing. I guarantee my children will say the same thing. By the time we have six, eight kids, I'm sure Bethany will be like, you guys are so much nicer to the, to the last one than you were to me. It's not just because we got tired. It was because we got smarter and more humble about what we did. We realized not every battle needed to be a war. See, humility teaches you that, doesn't it? Are you humble in your marriage? Are you humble in your parenting? Are you humble with your parents if you're still of that age? No matter where you go, ask yourself this question. Am I exuding the humility of God? And then lastly, are you humble with God? Now, a lot of us would say, of course I'm humble with God. He's God, I'm not. He can squish me like an ant. Of course I'm humble with him. But, Brian, can I get you to come up here real quick? I'm going to show you how I think a lot of people struggle with humility. Imagine this is the blessing of God, this iPhone right here. And God says, and we're, we're going to use Brian as a, uh, can you stand this way, please? I'm just going to turn you. Thank you. We're going to use Brian as an example. Let's not use him personally because he's an awesome man, but let's use him as an example. Let's say, God says to Brian, here's a beautiful marriage, and I want to take you to that. I want to give you grace, and I want to walk you right over here, favor you, because the Bible says God favors the humble, gives them grace, and I want to walk you right over here, and I want, and I want to put a marriage right in your hands. Boom. By grace. Everybody say grace. But let's say now, thank you, Brian. He stands here. Come face me. But now, instead, he goes, I'm going to have sex before I'm married. I'm going to violate a principle of God, yet I'm going to come to church and I'm going to ask God to still give me this blessed marriage. The Bible says in Peter, right here, it says that God opposes the proud. So try to get that blessed marriage. Let's go half speed, not hurt me. God opposes the proud. So let's say you say, God, I want you to bless me 
with a promotion and a raise. I'm praying God blesses me and promotes me, but you say I don't want to tithe. Now try to get there. God says, I resist you. You're proud. Let's say you're going, you're already married, and you're saying, God, I want you to bless my marriage. And let's say you're the husband, but you're saying, I don't want to lead. I'll let my wife do the Bible study. She'll do all the teaching. I won't read and come up with anything. You try to go towards that blessed marriage. You say, well, I want God to bless my kids. I want God to bless my kids. Keep them off the streets, God. Protect my kids. But I'm not going to bring them to youth group. I'm not going to bring them to King's Kids. I'm not going to teach them at home how to pray. I'm not even going to bring them to church on Sunday. But I want God to bless them. The Bible says God resists. Come on, give me a little more info. Uh, yeah, there we go. God resists the proud. Resist the proud. But the humble, he goes, come on, single mom. I got you. Come on, single mom. Here's your family right here. Come on, marriage. Here's a blessed marriage. Come on, here's a promotion. Here's a raise. See, that's what God is asking us to do. Let's give it up for Brian. Amen. Would you all stand to your feet, please? Come on, let's stand to our feet in closing. That was about the closest thing to a 20-minute message as you will get from me. Let's have our altar workers and come, uh, come up. How many enjoyed today's service? Amen. We want to end now with singing a song to Jesus before we pray. But I want you to look at this scripture. Humility. Humility is the path of blessing. Grace is what enables us to be humble. So can I be humble without God's grace? No. Can you stand over here for me, good sir? Thank you. Can I be humble without God's grace? No, I really can't. Think about it. Can you be humble without God's grace? No. You need God's grace to be humble. Who do you think was the most humble person to ever walk this earth? Jesus, right? Should we learn from him? Do you think we should be like him? How many think we should be like Jesus? Now think about this. He's the son of God eternally in heaven, and yet he takes on flesh and is born of a virgin. That right there is just humble. That will blow your mind. Would it, what would it be like for you to become an ant? Think how much greater it was for God to become man. Oh, but it doesn't stop there. God's all-knowing nature was put on hold. And as a child, he grew up and learned, not pretending to learn, but really learn. When he felt pain, he really felt pain. He set aside, the Bible says, his divine attributes. He didn't stop being God. He was God in the flesh. But he set aside being all-powerful. That's why you could slap him, the, the Roman soldiers did, and he felt it. He, he put aside being all-knowing, omniscient. That's why he said the Son of Man doesn't know the days or the hours, only the Father. He was just like us. He only knew what God would tell him. That's why he was baptized and give the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had to come on him like the Holy Spirit has to come upon us. He did not know unless God told him, are you listening? The Father had to tell the Son. That's humble. But guess what? The Bible says that Jesus as a child grew and became strong. How did Jesus grow up and become strong? Did he use his God powers? Was he like a superhero? No. He was filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was on him. Ooh, snap. Jesus gives us his secret of success as a man. 
It doesn't say Jesus grew up in his God powers and flew around like Superman because he came from the planet called heaven. No. It says Jesus became strong because he built an underground place in a cave with bats and he trained with martial artists like Batman. No. He became strong because he was filled with wisdom. Where is he as a little boy? He's in his father's house, the temple. He's hanging out with the rabbis. He's learning. Our Lord and Savior humbled himself to learn. How much more should we humble ourselves and learn? By God's grace, I've written nine books. I want to write 50 by the time I meet Jesus, and I'm getting my doctorate. Why? Because I want to learn. Every book that I write, I have to learn. When I wrote a book about Islam, I learned. 365-day devotional broken up in 12 months with 12 different categories. You want to learn about prayer. We have a category of prayer. It's all online for free. Some of you don't even know it. You want to know what I did? I had to learn about prayer. I learned about it. And then what's the next thing he was? He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God. Amen was upon him. This is just an example. And I don't want to embarrass my friend because he could beat me up, so i got to be nice. But I want you to think about what grace would look like literally covering you. That when people would see you, they would see grace. As you see this on him, that's what they saw on Jesus was grace. Parent, the reason why you're not quick to forgive your kids and you're quick to anger is because you don't understand the grace of God. You're in pride. When you understand the grace of God and what God's done for you, you'll be patient with your children. doesn't mean you won't discipline, but your lack of self-control shows you you're not humble. Husbands and wives, you're fighting. You're in conflict. It's not because you're right. If you were right, you would be without conflict. You would have solved the problem. It's pride that keeps you in conflict. Humility says, forgive me, for I have sinned. Forgive me. You're on your job tomorrow and there's conflict? I just want to know, are you walking in there clothed in righteousness? Are you clothed in humility? Is grace sticking out? Or is your attitude, your bad breath, your, your stinking thinking, your toxic words? What are the people around you getting a whiff of today? What are they seeing on you today? I hope you can be honest and say, I need the grace of God to make me humble because I don't want God resisting me. Can we pray? Let's close our eyes right now. We close our eyes to avoid distraction. That's the only reason we do it, to avoid distraction. And now we're going to meditate in our lives. Meditate right now upon this, please. One area you need to be humble in right now. There may be a thousand areas, but it's just one I want you to think about. Close your eyes and think of it. Is it a relationship? Is it a job? Is it somebody in your, you know, in your community, you know, getting along with somebody? Is it at church? Who is it with and where are you at? Where do you need humility right now? Come on, meditate. 
Last service, I used my wife. Today, I'm going to meditate on my professors in my doctoral classes. I am in my mind's eye, sitting in class, hearing something I disagree with because I know God wants me to be humble there. Okay, where is your there? Where is it at? That last fight you got into with your spouse, your kids, or kids with your parents, where is that place you need humility? Come on, put yourself right there in that place with that person in that situation. And now I double-dog dare you to pray this. God, teach me to be humble in those situations. And now let him begin to teach you what humility looks like right there. I'm going to try not to talk and interrupt this process right now, but for some of you it's new. So I'll just keep sharing what God's saying to me. But those of you who know how to meditate and talk to God, just go. Just go there. Just talk to him. Don't wait for me. Just go. But for some of you who are new, what I'm seeing in my heart while I'm sitting in that classroom is I hear just literally as I'm thinking the Lord saying to me, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I hear the Lord telling me I'm not there in that class to argue with the professor. I'm there to learn what they know because I already know what I know. Come on. Come on. What's God speaking to you? Some of you, it's with your marriage. Some of you, it's with your kids. Some of you, it's with your parents. I mean, what's God saying? It's God saying to stop arguing, stop yelling, stop cursing. What about others of you? God's telling you to start giving, start volunteering, start learning, start forgiving. See, that's grace. I talked to a woman after the first service, and she says, so hard. God's, I know what God's telling me to do. It's so hard. And I said, sister, everything when you're serving God against the flesh is hard. It's hard not to swear and get mad. It's hard not to slap somebody. It's hard not to want to keep your tithe. It's hard. All, all obedience. It's hard not to have sex before marriage. It's hard not to, you know, to lie when you get caught in something you shouldn't have been doing. I mean, it's hard. I get it. But I said to her, I said, grace is going to give you strength. God says he gives grace to the humble but resists the proud. And I said, you know what's, you know what's hardest? Hardest is going to hell because God was against you. And you never stopped and asked for help. And so it's no one to blame but yourself. Those are the kinds of things that I love to share in those moments. 30 more seconds right now. It's your life. It matters. Your job. It matters. It's your family. And it matters. Humility is the way of blessing. Humility is the way of God's peace in your life. 15 more seconds. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Humility doesn't come easy, but it sure is worth it. As we get ready to pray, because I trust Steve, and he's already had some attention today. He's a man of God. I'm going to ask him to close us out in prayer. Rachel's going to sing us a song. And if you need prayer, would you come up and receive it before you go today? I mean, just let us pray for you. Be humble enough to say, hey, I need some prayer. Or maybe you need advice. We may have some for you up here, right? You want to grow in wisdom. Don't leave out. And if you can, worship with us, right? Worship. 
That's, that's humble, isn't it? You feel good. How many of you, whenever you were in church the first time, raising your hands, felt goofy? I'll never forget the first time I was in church. I was 18 years old. I just got off drugs, and I was in church. And the, and the pastor said, everybody raise your hands. You know, the worship pastor during singing. And I looked around, and everybody was raising their hands. And I said, I'm not doing that. That looks dumb. And then I literally thought to myself, if I raise my hand, everybody's going to know that I'm new here and I don't know how to do it. They're going to think something's wrong with me because I don't know how to do You know, you do it like this or how you do it. Literally, I can remember this like it was yesterday. One of the things I remember about that church is his wife used to be a prostitute. I'll never forget it. They gave me a book and said, this is the story of our life. And part of it was her testimony. I was like, you guys are awesome. Like, they give it to people. Can you imagine? Like, like, you know how humble you are? People try to hide their problems. They were like, this is who I used to be, but I'm not anymore. So anyways, I literally felt God say, nobody else matters but me. Show me that I'm worthy of your glory, of your worship, that my glory is worthy of your worship. And I just closed my eyes and I surrendered. And I wish I could say I felt something profound, but I didn't. But I know something profound happened in me. A little part of that pride started to break off. It was like, stop caring what people think. So anyways, all of us go through stuff like that. I want Steve to share whatever was in his heart. And then pray for us today. And if you need prayer, come up. If you want to worship, worship. But you'll be dismissed after his prayer. Amen. Thank you. I mean, for, for me, it was, uh, I had took a prayer walk the other day and found this bench by some trees. And and uh, I was dealing with just that abasement pride, you know. And like, God, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. You know, you want me to lead up this gang ministry and do this memorial and it's like God I don't I don't know how to do that I know how to go in and like you know fight the enemy and you know kick him out the streets or whatever but God you want me to do this and I, I just don't know and um and right there and then you know he he gave me the confidence of Jesus and I hear the Lord saying even one even if one person were to come and get saved would that not be enough and I said, God, yes. Even if one comes, I was, I was dealing with the fact that, is anybody going to come, you know? And God, you know, had to let me know and confirm to me that it's all him. All I had to do was be obedient to what he already did for me. Like, I already paved the way for you, Steve. All you got to do is just go and do it now, and I'm going to do the rest. And right there and then, God humbled me the right way. And just saying, God, I just lean on you then, God. You said you're going to do it, then I trust you're going to do it. And he gave me the grace that I needed to say, we're going forward. We're doing this full throttle no matter what happens. We're going forward. And God bless me like that. You know, so whatever you're going through, as our pastor said, it's, it's the gospel. It's the truth, you know. And um, let's just take it to Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you for who you are, God. We thank you, Lord God, that you're a God who is able, God. And, and sometimes we get afraid, God. We get afraid of the unknown. We get afraid when you say, come, come into where even though you can't see, we can't see, you still say, come. And we get afraid of the unknown, God. But I pray that in faith, God, we would honor you, Lord God. We would honor you in faith and in trust that you're not a God who's trying to scare us. You're not a God who is trying to just trick us. You're a God who's trying to give us your victory, God, your grace, your humility, God, so we can be the people 
you want us to be, God. I pray, Lord God, that your grace would reign in this place, God, and that we would, we would see your humility, Lord God, for what it is. It is who you are, God. It's your character, God. Let us be one with you, God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I bind up fears, Lord God. I bind up lies of the enemy, God. I break chains in the name of Jesus, God. Set your people free to be humble, Lord God, and receive your grace in Jesus' name. And we're going to put up the words of this song. You are dismissed. Slap your neighbor high five and say, go in grace. Go in grace. And if you want to sing with us or get prayer, come on up here. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. Singles Life Group is going to be happening here in just a few moments. And Marriage Life Group today. God bless you. Come on, if you want to worship, sing it out. Or if you need prayer, come on. Will you turn up Rachel a little bit, please? No place I'd rather be. Amen. If you got to go, go in grace. But if you want to stay, worship with us. Pray with us for grace to come. Would you turn up Rachel's mic and her keyboards? Come on, start a fire. Start a fire. Thank you, Lord. this part again. Let us just say that to the Lord in our own heart, in our own words. God, there's no place I'd rather be. There's no other wife I'd rather have. No other family I would rather have. No other job. I'm thank you. I'm thankful, God, that what I have right now is what you've wanted me to have. And God, some things may change. Some things may come and go. But I thank you for the things that remain. And I pray that we'll be the best we can be in those areas. And in the things that change, I pray God will cast our cares on you. Always taking care of our responsibility. But bringing our cares to you. Rachel, just sing this out. I cast my cares. In that verse where you would say, no place I'd rather be, sing, I cast my cares. Here in your love. There you go. I cast my cares upon you. I cast my cares upon you. I cast, I cast my, cares. my cares. Here in your love. Yes, I cast my cares. I cast my cares upon you. I cast my cares upon you. I cast my cares upon you. Here in your 
a few more times. I cast my cares. Does anybody feel like doing that today? The things you can't change. I can't change the economy. I can't change whether people like me or not. Oh, but I can do my best. I can love my wife and kids. I can be thankful for what I do have, what I am doing. And the rest I can cast on Jesus. One more time, I cast my cares. I cast my cares upon you. Yes, I cast my cares upon you. I cast my cares upon you. So set a fire in my heart today. with us this week just as you keep singing Rachel I'm going to pray over them Lord as we go our separate ways oh God may our lives be changed may our lives be different hallelujah I want somebody one of my leaders Tony and uh, I need one of my uh, Nandri Tony and Nandri go over there by Nancy and Brandon for me I want to just pray for Brandon and Nancy. Keep singing out. Keep praying, those of you who are just entering in. But I want to pray for Brandon and Nancy that God will bless them, bless their beautiful baby, that God will use them, that anything of the past that's holding them back will be set aside. Any embarrassment, any shame will be set aside.